All right, folks, welcome into Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday morning. I am recording this at 2.18 a.m. Going to try to get this out before everybody wakes up on Sunday, but uh, it's it's been a late night for me, uh, given these late-night games and doing normal media coverage, things like that. Everybody's got their thing, but like... I'm getting to this late, wanted to make sure to get this one out, but it's on a downer, as you can probably tell in the tone of my voice. The uh, the Nuggets drop game one, 123-109. Uh, they go down 1-0 to in the series. The Portland Trailblazers take home court. Uh, basically, if the Blazers win every single game between now and the end of the series at home, then they will advance. And the Nuggets are going to have to win on the road in order to make this a series. I don't think they have any concerns about whether they can win on the road. That that definitely wouldn't be one of mine, but I do have other concerns. And I think that this game, it brought a lot of potential issues to light. And that is a really big concern for a team that, let's face it, the Denver Nuggets do not have a lot of margin for error right now because they don't have a lot of bodies to throw out there. Jamal Murray, Made a very impressive performance at the beginning of this game. Uh, said said hello to the crowd. Tried to get everybody hyped up. Uh, was on the sidelines for the entire thing, doing his best coaching impression. Uh, did a lot of like fun things on the sidelines, but uh, it would have been preferable, of course, for him to be out there. Uh, same goes for PJ Dozier, whose defense and overall just. Uh, pick and roll ability, ability to hit some clutch shots, uh, that went to miss. And then, of course, Will Barton, who his ability to hit hit shots and and not be afraid to hit those outside shots and take them consistently, uh, that was definitely missing as well. So, the Nuggets they have a lot to think about heading into Game Two. Uh, we're going to talk about Game One here. I'm going to share my my impressions on some things that are real and not real in the second and third segments and what Denver should be concerned about versus what they can make better. Uh, But for now, let's talk about this game tonight. The big story really did come down to just three-point shooting. I thought that this would be a major barometer for the series, and it was. Uh, Not in the Nuggets' favor this time around. The Blazers, they shoot 19 of 40 from three, 47.5%. The Nuggets made them look like the prime Golden State Warriors roster. And that is a really big concern. The Nuggets, they were 11 of 36 from three, 30.6%. Just that margin, just that difference, eight made threes on similar numbers of attempts. uh, That's 24 points right there, and the Nuggets lost by 14. It really was the difference in the game. And I think if you wanted to stop there, you could, because this is what's going to be the control factor for the series. Whoever wins the three-point shooting battle in the NBA often wins the game. There are very few cases of it being different than that. Uh, Even the Los Angeles Lakers last year, when they had those dominant forces with LeBron and Anthony Davis going right to the rim uh, on their way to a championship, even with them, they would still have good nights with the... uh, with the supporting cast around them, that in that playoff run, 
LeBron and AD would still make their outside shots, but they'd get some help from Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, Alex Caruso. Uh, Last year, it was Kyle Kuzma and Rajon Rondo and guys like that. For the Nuggets this year, right now they are starting Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., Faku Campazzo, Aaron Gordon, and Austin Rivers. Denver, because they were going so, because of the way that the Nuggets were being defended, it just it it was in a very difficult position for them uh, to match what the Blazers were doing on the other end. Uh, I'll talk about that in just a little bit, but let's talk about the defense first. The Blazers they just continuously generated open shots. They were relatively consistent from from there. Uh, not just from a making perspective, but from generating the right looks as well. Uh, you know that Dame and CJ, you know that those guys are going to get their normal shots off the dribble. They were hit and missing those uh, at the beginning of the game, but they're stars. They're going to make those shots. The big difference was the catch and shoot threes from the role players. Robert Covington, Carmelo Anthony, Anthony Simons, they combined to go 10 of 17 from three tonight. And it felt like momentum killers every single time, especially after Denver. When they go through all of these rotations, they make several defensive moves in order to cut off those threes, in order to cut off driving lanes. And then the ball is ultimately pitched out to one of those guys and they hit shots as efficiently as they did. There's just very little that Denver can do about that when they're forced to play this level of scheme. Denver is forced to give up some of these open shots because of that scheme. They have to make a ton of rotations. That is probably the biggest detraction for Nikola Jokic is that he just can't switch onto smaller players. So they're going to give him help. They're going to try to they play him up on the zone or up and up on the level of a lot of these pick and rolls. And what Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and Norman Powell, what those guys are going to do in that situation is they're going to try to get the ball into the middle of the floor with Yusuf Nurkic. And if that's not open, because somebody is rotated over from the weak side, they're going to pass it over to the weak side for those guys. Then pass the ball around the perimeter, rotate it once or twice, make an open shot. That was the formula. And Denver, they were forced to give up a ton of those with this scheme. There were opportunities to kind of clean up some rotations. And that is something that I will be looking forward to for the rest of the series with what Denver's going to do. Uh, MPJ and Marcus Howard were the guys who I thought missed the rotation most frequently tonight. Uh, Marcus Howard was a surprise in the rotation. He got over 20 minutes. Uh, Michael Malone said postgame that he wanted to space the floor and give Michael Porter and the rest of Denver's offense just a little bit of extra room. Uh, something that like Shaq Harrison wouldn't have provided. So they made a, a conscious de- decision to go offense over defense, and it wasn't enough. Because Denver, they also generated some wide open shots for role players too. But they didn't generate as many. And when those shots did come around, the role players clearly weren't ready to make them. The bench shot a combined two of seven from three tonight. Austin Rivers shot one of five on a lot of easy shots. 
I posted a couple screenshots on Twitter tonight that was basically to, akin to, yeah, they're going to go under every screen that Austin Rivers runs. Rather than go over in the pick and roll, they're going to go under, they're going to give him a lot of space, and they're going to dare Austin Rivers to be the one to beat the Blazers. Rivers goes one of five, and like there were, there were a lot of easy shots that he could have hit. Michael Porter also going one of 10 from three. That hurts matters for sure. Uh, I don't see that sticking, considering he went 11 of 11 from two. Uh, there was a lot to like about Michael Porter's game, uh, especially with that bench unit when he sort of took over uh, in a lot of those circumstances. He was given a lot of opportunities to get to the to get to the mid-range, to get to the rim, and he took advantage every single time. I think he had one turnover, if I'm not mistaken, and he went 11 of 11 from two-point range. That's incredible. That's something that you can build on. It's also sort of an issue that Denver still lost when he went 11 of 11 and Jokic did what he did, but there are there are definitely concerns. Let's talk about Jokic. Jokic had a really strong offensive game. Let's get that out of the way. 34 points. 14 of uh, 27 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, 3 of 4 from the free throw line. Strong offensive performance. He also had one assist, which is incredibly unlike Nikola Jokic. The Blazers, they made a conscious decision tonight to single cover Nikola Jokic every single time, pretty much. Yusuf Nurkic, he was left on an island. And as Cantor, when he was out there, was left on an island. And Jokic basically went to work in the beginning, made some great plays. He made some really, really impressive baskets. Uh, there were several shots that he had, including a Sambor shuffle, including a post move that he had early in the game against Nurkic that basically put him in jail. Uh, got an easy one to go against Robert Covington. Did a lot of good things. But he wasn't firing passes all over the floor. He wasn't creating open shots for others in the way that he normally does, in the way that he gets everybody else going, making them better. The Blazers, they did their best to take that part of his game away. And then I thought one of the things that kind of went unnoticed as the game went along, his shot selection sort of deteriorated. He still made some shots, but they were worse and worse looks as the game went on. And then he started missing a few more every now and then. Like it was just more frequent misses than they were in the first half. And he was still doing great. He was still making a lot of incredible plays. Don't get me wrong, but he got tired of just doing the one-on-one thing. And... I thought that he needed to push the envelope in the post even more, try to get to the free throw line, try to force them to double, but it's very tiring. It is very exhausting to have to carry that load and back down Yusuf Nurkic and Inez Cantor. Both guys were putting all of their weight into Nikola Jokic. Uh, Inez Cantor got called for a foul for basically like falling onto Jokic in the post. Um, trying to play post defense and he was upset about it. 
but that's just how this is going to go. <laughs> Those guys are going to give him hell physically. And it's one of the reasons why you would hope that like Denver wanted a team like Dallas so that they could have Aaron Gordon guarding Luka and so that they could have Nikola Jokic being guarded by Kristaps Porzingis or Dwight Powell or Maxi Kleba or somebody like that. Now in this particular matchup, this is giving me Utah Jazz vibes from last year because the Blazers, what they have done is they've gone all offense and they've made it so that they have, like you, you don't have any answers for what they do offensively because they space you out with their three and then they just have a big guy in the middle that tries to punish Jokic physically. Kind of like a Rudy Gobert. Uh, I don't know if Denver can keep pace. And this was a really good piece of evidence tonight that they can't. Other Nuggets are going to have to make shots going forward. Um, And this was was something that was definitely possible. And I've, I've talked about it on this program, on this podcast, that Denver could definitely start this series 1-1 or 0-2. Uh, because they don't have the personnel, at least at the beginning, to make this a big series or to make this a to make this super close. So they're going to need a heroic effort from Joker. Um, an unnatural start of the series for him: twenty-seven shot attempts and one assist. It is not the way that he likes to play the game. He wants to share the ball. He wants to get people involved. And the Blazers, they're not going to let him. They're going to do everything in their power to make sure that he can't do what he does best. We're going to see whether he can make up the difference or not. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about uh, some concerns from game one that may carry over. Uh, We'll get to some positives. I I don't think that this was an entirely negative start, Uh, but first... Uh, this podcast is sponsored to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. We're kind of in the middle of reads right now. Uh, the the read that we just had included a promotion where you knock down the over-under on DraftKings of one specific game. Uh, you knock it all the way down as much as possible by selecting that game and voting for the over. And then whatever you get, whatever you whatever you put into it, you double your money if the over hits. Well, I did that promotion tonight. It was for the Clippers and the Mavericks. And we did that promotion tonight. I bet $25 and I got 50. I got 50 back because they kept the odds flat. And by the end of it, all the over under needed to do was hit 21 total points and it won. And uh, they, they scored over 200 in, in this game against between the Clippers and the Blade and the Mavericks. And that is just like a lot of the promos that you're going to see over at DraftKings. They are very favorable to new users. So if you are hesitant about getting involved, take it from me. I got involved. I got my promo and I got my money. And you can too. DraftKings, they're safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So have no fear. DraftKings, they've got you. They'll have more promos coming out soon here, uh, all throughout the playoffs. You can do NBA playoffs, NHL, MLB, uh, golf, 
Uh, by the time you listen to this, you may have a new PGA Tour champion. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how all these sports play out and how DraftKings can give you all the bang for your buck. But you got to vote. You got to do it. Got to sign up for DraftKings. Use promo code MHS and you can let them know that you came from us that way. Uh, must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Back here, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Uh, if you can, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple, iTunes, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, really. I love to read the reviews as they come in. They give me a, a really nice boost. Uh, you guys are awesome. You guys are great. Thank you so much for posting, uh, for sharing your, your opinions and uh, for supporting the program because it definitely supports me. So thank you so much. Okay, let's get into some concerns. And, you know, I'm going to combine the third segment in here, and we are going to do uh, things to be concerned about, but also things that Denver could make better, Uh, some battlegrounds that they can win, if you will. So let's talk about concerns first. Number one, I mentioned it at the top, the three-point shooting for Portland, uh, 19 of 40, 47.5% from three. A lot of those looks were open. Denver, they gave up a lot of looks, and whether it was on failed rotations or just good screens that were created and uh, lots of opportunities for guys to uh, take and make those open shots for the Blazers. And I think Denver poked the bear a little bit by booing Mello uh, in Ball Arena, and he didn't take kindly to that. Uh, But Anthony Simons getting hot, Robert Covington making his shots, uh, and Damon CJ doing their thing. I don't see any reason why Damon CJ can't continue to do their thing. And Denver, they're going to give up some some open shots to these role players. The question is how many of those shots are made. If it's 19 total threes, then Denver's going to have some concerns. But if it's 15, if it's 13, I think they can live with that. I think they can make that work. The Blazers are going to try to leverage that as much as possible. Uh, But that is something that I think Denver can get that back in control, but it's going to be hard. And I put this in the concerns category because I think it is more likely that the Blazers continue to shoot well. Uh, Denver, they just don't have the personnel right now to make it work. I wonder if, uh, hypothetically speaking, if they didn't make the Aaron Gordon trade, they still had Gary Harris, they still had RJ Hampton. I wonder if they wouldn't already be starting Michael Porter at the four and then playing three guards. Going small, uh, making sure to have a lot of switchability out there between the guards. Maybe it's Faku, Gary Harris, and Austin Rivers, something like that. Maybe it's uh, Monte Morris, Faku, and Gary Harris, something like that. They're not going to do that uh, because they don't have the guards right now. 
Like they have a lot of playable forwards and bigs. So they should be trying to leverage their size. But because they are so much bigger and slower than the Blazers, they have to get out to that three-point line. They have to make those multiple efforts. If they can't, it's going to be a problem. Need Aaron Gordon to continue making plays both on and off the ball. He's a big, big piece here. Number two, three-point shooting for Denver. Uh, Again, 30.6% from three, not going to get it done. 11 of 36, not going to get it done. Michael Porter, he's probably not going to shoot one of 10 again. He'll probably shoot around four of 10. Or it's going to be four of seven while he attacks the rim a little bit more. Something like that. But he's got it, like, it's got to start with him. You want the responsibility of being a star. You have to play like one. He did so inside the arc. He made some really incredible star plays. Uh, He also, and I'll talk about this with the bench, but he also had some great stints with the bench where he was the only guy that could score and was the only guy that did score, other than Monte Morris. But the rest of the team for Denver, if it's not Jokic and MPJ, Austin Rivers, Faku Campazzo, Aaron Gordon, those guys combined for five threes, they're going to have to combine for another five, maybe six. They're going to have to pick it up. Just just that simple. I thought Faku did great tonight. Uh, there, was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of stuff to like about what Faku did. Uh, but he's going to have to take more shots, in my opinion. We'll see. And then the bench. The bench scoring battle is number three. That is my biggest, uh, my third biggest concern. Actually, these aren't really in order. Uh, the bench scoring battle was pretty bad. Uh, Simons, Mello, and Cantor, they combined to outscore Denver's bench 38-20. to 20. Uh, It can't be that drastic. Denver's got to get some guys that can go with Jokic, MPJ, and Aaron Gordon, who did have 16 tonight. Uh, Paul Millsap, got to be better. He hit a three, but he also had a couple costly turnovers in there that were just really, really bad. Jermichael Green, invisible tonight. Didn't do a lot against Mello. Didn't do a lot defensively. Uh, didn't do anything offensively. Moved the ball a little bit, that I will say. Uh, but it's just a problem when there aren't enough pieces with that bench unit to really make a difference. Uh, so those guys that are on the bench unit, they have to step up. Millsap and Green, they are the veterans. They have to know that if the ball finds them, they've got to take them, make those shots. It's that simple. Uh, this would be another time where it'd be great to have Will Barton. That Even if he wasn't with the starting unit, having him come off the bench along with Monte Morris, it would make things a lot easier. And maybe Denver gets that. Maybe that's one of the reasons why this this uh, this series is never out of it. Like, they're not out of the series by any stretch of the word. But they do need reinforcements. I don't think that this current collective can beat the Blazers. They need Will Barton in my opinion. Number four, on the concerns from game one that will carry over. 
Uh, the defense on Damian Lillard. I thought that Faku was great defensively for most of the night, but there's only so much that one man can do. Uh, there were shots that Lillard hit in Faku's face, in his grill, because Faku gave him just an inch of space, and with Faku, the one thing that you can really criticize about is that he is just isn't tall enough to contest a lot of those shots. So he has to do his work early, and he has to get into the body of Lillard. Did a lot of good stuff there. Only finished with three fouls. I thought that some of the fouls that he accumulated even were bad calls. I thought they were helping out Lillard just a little bit. Just a little bit. It was giving him a, just a little extra assistance. It was very irritating. As if he needs to go foul hunting. But, like I said, there's only so much one man can do. And even then, there were a lot of times where Lillard, he sought out switches. He tried to get Faku switched off of him so he had a more favorable matchup. Tonight, he went after MPJ and uh, Monte Morris in the post. But other than that, Lillard, he hunted MPJ a lot in this game. And especially in that third quarter, I thought that's when he got going. Uh, Porter welcomed the challenge. He wanted to defend Lillard. And Lillard made him pay a few times. There was one where he pump faked and then drew a three-shot foul, uh, which was, it's the most annoying three-shot foul, is the one where Porter wouldn't have hit him unless Lillard jumped in front of his shooting motion. But it is what it is. Uh, Porter's going to have to be better than that. He's going to have to figure it out. Uh, Lillard is a better player than Donovan Mitchell. So better player than Mike Conley, Joe Ingles, guys like that. CJ McCollum is also very dangerous. So I thought that Porter had a lot of good moments against those guys too. Had two very strong blocks uh, at the rim. Those guys tried to drive against him. That's when Porter could use his length. That's when he could use his athleticism. Those guys, once he started driving, couldn't get away from Porter, which is a good sign. But if Lillard gets into one of his rhythms, it may not matter. He may just pull up from 35. He may not want to go at Michael Porter. And even if he does, Lillard will get those calls. He's a star. He's going to get those calls. Porter is still young. Uh, it's going to be tough. And my, my final concern uh, before we head into things that are more battlegrounds that Denver can win. Uh, Jokic's sanity. My hope is that this is a problem, uh, this series, this is a problem that the Nuggets can figure out. They've always been in situations where they can solve the problem. It takes a little bit of time. They go down in a series. They've gone down in every series that they've played so far with Nikola Jokic. They haven't been in a series like this one, where there just doesn't feel like a solution is there unless Michael Porter just hits every shot. Jokic hits every shot. Uh, so I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope they can figure it out while Jokic doesn't have to play like a Super Saiyan, like he can play like a normal great player. Uh, but this is the burden that he has to bear. And I hope that he doesn't crack under the weight of it all just after the weight of a really, really tough season, playing 72 games, having to bear the burden without Murray a lot of the time, uh, Porter getting up to speed, 
Barton, Morris, Dozier going down. Morris is back. And they might try to run more traditional pick and roll with Monte Morris at times. But if they have to go to Jokic in the post consistently, if that's the what they decide to do again, and they lose the game in the same way because two is less than three, then I have my concerns. My hope is that Jokic can stay engaged and stay on track and focused. Like I'm, I'm not worried about him not wanting to compete or anything like that. I just hope that he continues to uh, keep that positive mind frame, keep that uh, positive mindset in general. Uh, because I can see a situation where he gets very frustrated by not being able to do what he wants to do. All right, battlegrounds that Denver can win. Let's do this and then we'll get out of here. Michael Porter's three-point shooting. Again, he was one of 10 tonight. He can go four of 10 or seven of 10 in games to come. He's that talented. Nobody can contest his shot truly. When he gets on balance and he gets in rhythm and he gets in that, that mode, very few people can stop him. And none of them are on the Blazers. So they're going to have to find more ways to continue to free him up. To get better shots. To get good looks. I hope that he continues to work on relocating and things like that. Because I see a guy like Stephen Curry and what he has to do to get open sometimes. He'll be running all around the floor. Trying to get his best, uh, trying to get his best shot opportunity. And it may not come on the first, second, or third time that he touches the ball. But if he relocates consistently, find other guys screen for him and do everything that they can to get him free, then Denver has an opportunity, I think, to get Porter some shots. It may not be perfect, and maybe. Maybe Porter just isn't Curry, and and you can't play it like that. But I saw a Golden State Warriors roster do really well against a team like the Los Angeles Lakers because they all were dedicated to getting Curry the best possible shot that they could. I wonder if Denver should try to do the same. Try to use Porter off of screens, uh, get him his looks, have uh, Austin Rivers... Uh, Aaron Gordon, Faku Campazzo, guys like that, continue to screen for him away from the ball and then slip the screens and then try to find opportunities for Jokic and Campazzo and guys like that to get open. Having more good hard cuts will help. Now, that is actually number five, so I'm, I'm sort of skipping around here, but harder cuts off the ball, uh, especially when Jokic posts up Especially when you're in a situation where you don't want to be stagnant. You don't want to give the defense an easy breath of a possession. And I thought that Denver had to do a lot of that tonight. Because when they go to Jokic, and when they just surround him, uh, space the floor, four out, one person on the strong side, three people on the weak side, if they're in that situation then those other defenders don't have to move. It's only Nurkic who's working, or Cantor. And it's only Jokic who's working on the offensive end. 
So if he converts every time, then great, but he's not going to convert every time. Nobody converts every time. So he's going to have to find other opportunities. And Denver should be trying to move, cut, run some other actions off ball, try to free up some open shots for other people, even when Jokic is in the post, even when they're single covering him. They've got to run some designed actions. Michael Malone's going to have to get creative. He's going to want to use Jokic's passing as much as he can. But in order to do that, there have to be passing windows. So we'll see whether those can appear or not. Uh, But harder cuts, some more designed actions, that should help, at least initially. Number three, getting to the free throw line more and getting a better whistle. I thought that Jokic didn't do a great job tonight of hunting his own free throws. Thought he was trying to get shots. I thought there were definitely times where he got fouled while trying to score. But that's different than trying to hunt for a foul and then looking to score. That's what Lillard was doing. It's what a lot of these other guys are doing. McCollum jumping into people. Powell looking like he's getting shot while jumping into somebody. Jokic doesn't do that a lot. He gets way too much blame. For somebody who usually gets around four to six free throws a night. He has to find a way to get to the free throw line. Because instead of going 14 of 27 from the field and three of four from three. If he went 12 of 25 and went nine of nine or nine of 10 from the free throw line. Denver slows down the game. They give themselves an opportunity to get back in transition, uh, force the Blazers to operate in the half court. If you string together a stop or two, get somebody into foul trouble, that's a big deal. I will say that getting Yusuf Nurkic into foul trouble, that would be a big deal for this series. I don't know about you guys, but I would much rather see Jokic bullying Inez Cantor than bullying Yusuf Nurkic, because what Yusuf Nurkic does on the on the other end is he gets others involved with his passing. He's a better role man than Cantor is. Cantor is more of just an offensive rebounding threat at this point. Jokic can deal with that. Jokic can manage that. What he can't do is every time the Blazers throw it to Yusuf Nurkic when they're running Dame on a pick and roll, and Jokic just can't get to the pass, then Nurkic turns and distributes or puts up a shot that's pretty easy. That is the easiest way for the Blazers to score. It's to get the ball to the middle of the floor where Nurkic can distribute. Jokic should try to foul him out of the game. That's what he should do. He should try to get a canter in there for obvious reasons. He can run pick and roll at him can post him up, can do everything, and feel pretty good about it. Uh, Number four, regression on Portland's threes, especially from the bench guys. I think that this will come back down to reality. It's possible that there's another game in there for Mello, possible that there's another game or two in there for Simons. But those guys combined for, what, nine threes tonight? Something like that? Uh, eight threes. I don't think that's going to happen again. 
I don't think they're going to combine for eight threes. If they do, good on them. Denver probably lost that game. If they don't, Denver has a chance. I know the plus minus doesn't show it, but the benches really were a problem. Michael Porter was able to mitigate some of the bench scoring issues. But Portland's bench, when they had Lillard and Covington out there with those three guys, or when they had uh, McCollum and Powell out there with those guys, they were always rolling. They were especially rolling when Lillard was out there. And Denver will have to figure that out. But I hope, my hope is that the regression comes not from Lillard, but from the guys around him, hopefully. Really hoping that Simons just isn't this hot the entire game. Mello isn't this hot the entire series. That could be a problem if they are. And number five, more production from Millsap and Green. I think you're going to need something. They combined for three points on four shots. Uh, Millsap hit a three, and the only reason he got that three was because Porter cut really hard and took two defenders. Millsap has to be better. He has to find other ways to impact the game, get other teams and get the other bigs into foul trouble, create some shots for others. Did have four assists tonight. Green did have three assists tonight. But a lot of those were simply, we're going to pass the ball to Porter. We're going to pass the ball to Jokic. So it is what it is. Uh, They're going to have to figure that out. I think that they can. But game two is going to be really, really difficult because Denver's probably going to have the same group. They might decide to go Shaq Harrison off the bench instead of Marcus Howard. Maybe that's a choice that they make. But other than that, there's nobody else that they can really turn to. They're not going to go to Zeke Naji. They're not going to go to Vlatko. They might go to JaVale, but I don't really think that JaVale would have... He's not good for this series. This isn't the series that you want JaVale in there for. I heard a lot of people talking about JaVale on the timeline. This is not a JaVale McGee series. Let me just stop you right there. He is a drop coverage center. He is a guy that you don't want to put in space. The Blazers, they roast drop coverage alive. Because Lillard, McCollum, Norman Powell, those guys are really good at hitting jumpers off the dribble. JaVale McGee's not going to solve that. So you have to find a way with Green and Millsap. I think that they can. Those guys, have they're veterans in this league. They've done this for so long. It was just game one. They got blitzed a little bit. If Denver is going to win this thing in game two, Jokic is going to have to be just as good offensively, if only maybe slightly more assist-focused. Porter's going to have to hit multiple threes. As many as possible, please. Austin Rivers is going to have to hit multiple threes. Millsap and Green are going to have to combine for more than three points. It's that simple. They can do it. This Nuggets team, they still scored. They were still able to get to the front of the rim and do damage against this Blazers team. This series isn't over by any stretch of the word. and Don't let anybody tell you differently, despite how it might feel right now. Even if they drop game two, I would still give Denver a strong possibility that they could win the entire thing. 
But game two does matter because the difference between 1-1 and down 2-0 is big. It's very, very big. Denver's never been down 2-0 in a series before. Getting it to 1-1, that would be a big deal. Let's see if Porter can continue to have his star turn. Because if he does, could make all the difference in the world. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'll probably be back tomorrow. Uh, Haven't decided whether it's going to be with a guest yet or not. Uh, Probably talk some more battlegrounds. Maybe have a guest on and and just shoot the shit a little bit. We'll see. Uh, But for now, thank you so much, everybody, for supporting. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Make sure to check out denverstiffs.com, where I do all of my work. Uh, Posted my five takeaways piece. Uh, that I'm going to be alternating with Tommy Knowlton on Twitter after or on Denver Stiffs after every game. So make sure to check those out. Uh, but for now, everybody stay safe, have fun, and uh, let's see if the Nuggets can bounce back for game two. I'll talk to you guys very soon.